Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. It's the talk with Mike and Hey everybody, it's me, Micah. I'm so glad that you guys have decided to listen in and support us on tonight. This episode is simply titled The Roundtable, and it's actually episode number 70. That's right, 7-0. So I want to go ahead and say thank you to all for continuously supporting the show since its inception in 2013. And a big thank you to everyone who streamed Miss Continental's interview on July 9th, which actually received a whopping 23,000 streams from all over the world. So thank you to everyone who streamed from either blogtalkradio.com or iTunes. Both platforms allow you to subscribe and to listen to all the shows at your leisure. So again, I appreciate you and I thank you. So let's go ahead and make tonight even better. Now, I'm not going to hold you long on tonight with announcements, so we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be live with The Roundtable. So see you in about five. Good day, thinkers, thought leaders, progressives, and dreamers. I'm Craig the Writer Stewart, and I am the author of three books and a podcast called So Much to Say. Wait, that's not what this ad is about. The highly anticipated stage play, A Day in the Life, starring Jasmine Bonet and the mouth of the South, Sophia McIntosh, returns to Atlanta. Visit my website, www.craigtherighterstuart.com, for more details about auditions and more. Again, that's www.craigtherighterstuart.com. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. I'll see you there. Hi, I'm Kara. I'm Jason. My name is Rhonda. Chris. Ashley. My name is Sharon. Ben. Amber. Hello, my name is Robert. My name is Haley. Hello, I'm Janine. My name is Paul. I am 54. 25. 26 years old. I'm a man. I'm a woman. I am a woman. I am a earth man. I am a dude. I'm female. I'm a man. I am a woman. I have so many siblings. I have three older brothers. I have one brother and a sister-in-law. I have two sisters. I have one mom, one dad, and one brother. I have one younger brother. I have one little sister. I'm a creator. I do investment consulting. I drive trucks for a living. I am a choreographer. Sales manager. I'm an attorney. I'm in between careers. I do event marketing. I'm a student. I love my family. I love cooking. I love my friends. I love coffee and cigarettes. Pop bubble wrap. UCLA football game. I love my pets. I love my country. I love equality. I love my wife. Love. I love California. <laughs> I've learned recently that the family, the friends, and my neighbors that I love so much 
that it's okay to stand up with them in something that they believe in. I think I've learned a little bit about myself recently. That it's time to be seeking truth. My own endurance. I've learned that my generation isn't apathetic. I've learned that we have the capability to overcome great hurdles. To stick up for what you believe in. I have learned recently that I can no longer tolerate being intolerated. I love women. I love boys. I am gay. I am straight. I am a straight man. I am a straight woman. I'm gay. I am gay. I like men. I'm a gay man. I am a gay male. I like ladies. I am straight. I am gay. I am gay. I am straight. I'm a lesbian. And I think I'm a pretty good one. Hi, everyone. And welcome to Grand, Gorgeous, and Gag. This is Joelle Canales with your beauty tip of the day. This goes out to all the gentlemen out there. It is important to exfoliate your skin two to three times a week. You can use a mild soap or a cleansing brush. By doing this, you will remove the dead skin, minimize the size of your pores, and remove any dark spots on the skin resulting from sun damage, acne scars, or even age spots. It will even minimize fine lines and wrinkles. Your skin will look years younger. I guarantee it. Thanks again for joining us for another segment of Grand, Gorgeous, and Gag. This is Joelle Canales. Until next time. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm AL. And I'm, and I'm C. C. And we, and we are, are the Accelerator Twins. Twins. And check out our brand new single, If You Let Me, today on iTunes. Visit our website, www.etceratwins.com. Mr. Reading, Miss Continental, Chantal DeMarco, inviting each and every one of you to Chicago, Illinois, for Mr. and Miss Continental. Honoring myself and my very handsome king, Ramon Ventura. For the Mr. Division, that's August 31st and September 1st. And of course, for Miss Continental, September 2nd and 3rd. No better place to be Labor Day weekend than the windy city of Chicago, Illinois. As always, live Continental. Breathe Continental. Be Continental. Yours always, Chantel. DeMarco. This is your reigning Miss Continental Plus, Cheyenne Valentino, and you're listening to The Talk with Micah and Friends.
Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Uh, if you have just joined us, you've actually joined us at the right time. Um, we are back with episode 70. That's 70. Um, this is the roundtable discussion. Now, the roundtable is actually meant to put a panel made up of individuals from various backgrounds with different perspectives on a radio platform, creating healthy, respectful dialogue that can sometimes lead to a debate, which is totally fine, um, surrounding anything from social media, relationship, friendship issues or advice, um, political perspectives, as well as pop culture. Now, these panel shows seem to have been my most interesting and one of some, some of the well-liked shows, so we're going to go ahead and just do it again. You know, so I am soon, very, very soon, hoping to be able to present this live in person with guests later on this year, something that I am working on. I have been working on for quite some time, so let's just go ahead and keep supporting so that we can make this happen. Um, but tonight, I have with me four individuals from all walks of life here to talk about, you know, just a few topics to go ahead and get the seats heated. Uh, my listening audience, it's very important. Now, if you want to be included while the conversation is happening, make sure to press 1 on your phone so that I can bring you in and you can provide your comment, your question, or whatever it is as it pertains to the topic being discussed. It's very important. Um, I really want you guys involved in the show, so that can't happen without you. So, again, as the show is going on, the conversation is going on, and you want to be included, you can just press um, option number one and come on in to the actual conversation, okay? So let's go ahead and introduce my panel, and let's go ahead and get started. So from Atlanta, Georgia, we have Chris. From Richmond, Virginia, we have Albion. From New Orleans, Louisiana, we have Tariq. And from Washington, D.C., we have Zachariah. So welcome to the show, everyone. Hello. How's Thank everybody you. doing? <laughs> Good. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm stuffed. I just... Ate my dinner in two minutes so I could be on time. Oh, great. What did you, what, look, look, very informal. What did you have for dinner? <laughs> His name was Tyrone. Oh, okay, okay. That's 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 another that's another that's another topic. <laughs> but um, <laughs> another show, another topic. But I, I do want the people to um to kind of familiarize themselves with your voices. So I'll just say hey really quickly to each one of you, and you can just say hey, so they can kind of you know put a put a voice with the actual name. So again, from Atlanta, Georgia, we have Chris. Hey, and hey to everyone listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you. From Richmond, Virginia, we have Alvion. Hello, everybody. I'm sure you're not going to be able to forget that voice. Um, from, New Orleans, <laughs> from New Orleans, Louisiana, we have Tariq. Hello, everybody. All right. And then from Washington, D.C., we have Zechariah. Hello, hello, hello. Represent Alabama. Okay. All right. Originally right. from Alabama, now residing in Washington, D.C. So again, um, thank you all for being part of the show, and I hope that we have a good time and a great discussion. So I want to go ahead and jump right on into it, um, and I want to talk about Pose. Um, Pose that's um, currently on FX. Um, it's in the syndication now. Uh, season one has just finished. The finale was on Sunday. And so for those that are listening that, that know the show, that don't know the show, I'll give you a little background, and then we'll discuss it, uh, and we'll go from there. So Pose tells the story of New York City's underground ballroom culture in the late 1980s, so 87, 88, you know, around that. That's where, that's where they start. It's the height of the Reagan era capitalism, Trump era luxury, and the beginnings of the HIV-AIDS crisis. Now, as compared to other Ryan Murphy, you know, 
uh, collaborations like Glee, American Horror Story, American Crime Story. Um, Pose is downright straightforward. It's a no-fuss character drama that engages in very little dreamlike, uh, uh, you know, situations outside the, com- the confines of the balls where contestants dress in their most dazzling ensembles and they vote to, the hearts, um, to their heart's content. Um, Paris is Burning, um, which is actually currently on Netflix. So if you, don't, if you never watch Paris is Burning, but you're starting to watch Pose, I suggest all of you go back and watch Paris, Paris is Burning and you'll be able to see, you know, exactly where it comes from. But Paris is Burning is the clear template for Pose's deep dive into New York's ball culture and its fingerprints all over the show's representation of the balls themselves. Now, while major, the, the interesting thing is, while major studios are still struggling, you know, to cast trans actors to play trans characters, because, you know, we, we had that stuff going on where we have, you know, cisgendered, you know, men and women playing trans parts, um, this particular show, uh, they made it look easy because they, started, they cast five trans women of color to anchor the show. Um, it's been a revelation for many involved and a defined exploration of what's possible. Um, Pose's first season, which was a total of eight episodes, uh, is confrontational and inclusive in all the right ways. It's normalizing its inhabitants for those less familiar with queer culture, while also giving a queer audience the chance to see themselves represented unapologetically in a major scripted drama. So to my panel, all whom I believe have watched either the full season or at least the majority of the season, um, what are your thoughts on Pose? And you can give me some of the pros, give me some of the cons. Um, I know I know each of you sent in your responses, um, you know, to get on the show, but I definitely want everyone to hear your responses, and we'll, you know, create dialogue from um, your responses tonight. Anybody can go, whoever wants to go first. Well, um, this I think is everybody's being polite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is Tariq And um, I didn't catch Pose at the beginning um, Of the season um, With work obligations and things of that nature mm-hmm. But reviewing some of the posts On social media and how um, So many people related to the show And related to many of the characters on the show I went back and binge watched um, I think I missed like the first three episodes Or something like that mm-hmm. so I went back and binge watched And immediately um it caught my attention, obviously, for various reasons, but um, primarily because when I, quote, unquote, came out in the lifestyle, um, my gay drag mother uh, played such an important role. You know, she, she she gave me some words of wisdom, much similar to, um, you know, Bianca's impact on, or with Damon, um, and how she felt that school was just so important and, and he can achieve his dreams and he can, you know, push forward, especially when he was going through the issues he was going through with his biological family. Um, so relating to that, um, you know, and, and me being involved again in the lifestyle and going to clubs and partying, and, and I was a college student at the time, but it wasn't really my focus. I was just wanting to have fun and, and live, I guess. Um, and when my, my mother told me, you know, hey, you know, this is the clubs are going to be here and the lifestyle to be here, focus on your education and live to your potential again, much like Bianca. It it, it just brings me back and uh, I was hooked and, and from that day I, I watched every episode and I've been watching it and I'm I'm 
glad, much I'm sure like everyone else, that there's a TV show that we can relate to and, and um, tells our story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. Good. Well, it's a, um, it's so, 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 let me ask you really quickly, Tariq, and then I think maybe Evan, I was trying to come in, but so you you gave some very great pros. You gave some very great pros in regards to the show. Um, I think all of which we you know resonate with. But did you see anything about the show that necessarily you didn't care for, or you would possibly change about the show? So. If I had to nitpick, um, I would say, you know, unfortunately there are some stereotypes associated with our lifestyle, um, mm-hmm. not just, you know, HIV or anything like that. But, again, going back to that first episode and having heard stories about the pageants or the ballroom culture where, you know, people would go into stores or, in this case, mm-hmm. a museum and just take, you know, thousands of dollars worth of stuff just to, to – you know, walk or to compete or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, again, I've heard stories. I, I'm not privy to the information personally, but I've heard that it, it has happened or it does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess, you know, the realness kind of also aids with many people's stereotypes of us in mm-hmm. some ways um, mm-hmm. because not all of us, you know, do have to um, steal or, right. or do whatever to you know, compete or prepare for balls or pageants or whatever. Some people really mm-hmm. do go to work and spend their money that they earn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if I had to nitpick, I think it probably would be that. Okay. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm i glad you brought that up because one thing that I love about Paris is Burning, it kind of relates, it, it helps you to understand um, once you look at Paris is Burning and you really, you know, because that's a documentary, you're able to see that those individuals that were a part of Paris is Burning, a lot of them did not really have jobs. The ballroom scene was kind of like how they would get their extra money, you know, by them winning the mm-hmm. trophies, winning the prizes, or whatever the case may be. And then they, they just really <clears throat> didn't have a lot. So the term mopping is what they would call as far as, as that they would say as far as stealing, um, or they would use that term. But, yeah, they would go out because it was like you, want, you, want, you would call this category for, you know, a Diane Carroll-type character or, you know, Carol Channing or what, whatever, you know, whoever the, the person is. You know, a lot of those people, of course, these kids don't have the means or the funds to, 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 to look like what the category is calling for and not saying that it's right, but that's what they, that, that's what they would do. We're going to go in the store and we're going to get, you know, what we need and we're going to, you know, ha- um, make this, you know, whatever the category is, bring it to life. And for that night, they felt special because those same individuals, those same kids that were going out and, and doing the stealing and, and, and walking these balls, after that, they didn't have nothing. They didn't have a place to lay their head. Most of them were, if they weren't in a shelter, they were on the pier, you know, here in New York City, sleeping on the pier and stuff like that. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, but I think it is a direct depiction of the things that happened up in the northern, you know, the, the northern states. And, and I mean, right. it's just what happened, you know. But not, but I'm glad you, you brought that up. Um, Alvion, and let me there? say, I've never, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've never seen Paris is Burning, so oh. I, I can't, you know. Well, no, no. And, and I will, I will, well, Yes, please. I, I I used I used to watch it almost every day when I would come off from work. I think you were you would love it and you would appreciate it. And um and some of those people are some of them, not the majority of them, but some of them are still alive today. So I just actually went to the latex ball and happened to see like some of those same people who are like they're like fifty, sixty, seventy years old now, um, from that documentary. But yeah, definitely go check it out. Okay, who's next? I'm very I'll go next. Okay. I'll go ahead, <laughs> 
No, whoever was talking, go ahead. Okay, so it's me, it's Chris. I have a very perplexed opinion when it comes to polls. I love the fact that it gives light to, you know, the ballroom community and a scene that is so misunderstood to people who are not involved. I think that's awesome. I think it's awesome how it, you know, provides representation on TV. You get to see people who have, who are experiencing, you know, some things that you're going through in life. I think that's wonderful. But now that the veil has been lifted, what's next? You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like the show, in order to just continue in popularity, it's going to have to show more diversity within the mm. gay community. I feel like at this point, you know, it's only relatable if you live that life or mm-hmm. if you have friends who live that life. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I don't see how it would hold the interest of a broader audience. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I'm also... So, so my- you know, Go ahead, go ahead. go ahead, Abby. I'll talk to Chris. I forgot what you're trying to do. So my yeah. opinion on that is, um, and it also goes back to what Tariq said, I'm hoping that the show is going to grow as in far, you know, that was in the 80s. So I'm hoping that if it continues to go, it moves into the 90s and moves into the 2000s and moves mm-hmm. into modern mm-hmm. day to mm-hmm. get a better understanding of how things have grown for us and how things have transpired for us. Because like Tariq said, you know, I'm, I'm a pageant girl and I've never stolen anything to compete in the contest. Right. I've worked, sold jello, did everything that I needed to do to get, you know, the things for the pageant. But I do know that the girls who came before me did do those things or had right. their kids to do those things. Right. So right. I'm hoping that, you know, it shows that that growth in our community that, you know, mm-hmm. um, I was reading into the show, like, you know, like the whole thing with, um, I can't remember the pretty girl that was, that was with the white guy. Um, oh, and Angel. She fell in Angel. Love and all that kind of stuff. Angel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, eventually I think that her storyline could lead to like trans murders because mm-hmm. it gets too much for him. And that could tell mm-hmm. the story of like transgender murders and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. I think that if they keep it growing and it grows as our community and our culture has grown, then there will be, you know, like a progression to the show. Um, okay. So Dr. Ryan, I'm going to get my two cents. Um, I would say that I can't necessarily relate to the show, but I support the show. So when I say I can't relate, it's because, as everybody has said, it took place a little bit time before I was born or a little bit time before I entered the scene. So a lot of different things that I saw I couldn't relate to. I didn't really know that people went to stores and, you know, stole the things that they needed and things of that nature. The parts that I could relate to was the gay family part of it. Um I think as Tariq mentioned, I think it was him that said it, but my gay parent was the one that pushed me out to go back and get my GED. A lot of people don't know me like that, so they don't know. I dropped out. I had a lot of other things going on. I thought I was wrong, but it was, you know, my gay parent that took me in and was just like, what you're going to do is go get your GED. So that part of it I can relate to because at that point in time, I thought I was wrong, but I needed somebody in my life to give me some stability, to give me some somewhere to go, and that's what makes me relate to the show. Outside of that, what makes me relate to it is just that the world is changing. It's giving us a platform where we can be seen, where we can tell our stories. And for that reason, I'm going to support anything. When the Prince of the Leaks came out, people talked about it. Do I think they were the best dancers in the world, the best J-setters? No. But I still supported every single episode because, again, it is a platform that we're able to use to get us where we're trying to go. So for that reason, I just even if I didn't completely understand everything that was going on in post, 
the better thing for me and the best thing for the community, in my opinion, was to support it because yeah. we're not going to see that growth if we don't support it in the beginning. It may not have been renewed Correct. for another season mm-hmm. had we not supported it in the beginning stages because it seems as if we're not supporting our community, which we really don't do. But overall, even if we didn't agree with everything that was happening, sometimes we just have the support for the bigger picture of it. So that's kind of where my idea lies with that. I also think that, like, you know, um, like we've all pretty much said on the same basis, there are some things that I could relate to and there are some things that I'm, I couldn't relate to, but just for the purpose of supporting and the growth of it, um, it was a very, because I, I have friends who went through, you know, like the HIV with the, you know, mm-hmm. not getting treatment and stuff back in the day. Mm-hmm. I have transgender friends who deal with straight guys. I have, you know, all the, I can relate in that manner. Um, personally, for me, I didn't have to experience those, experience those things. I'm really blessed that my family never put me out, never looked at me different, never yeah. acted crazy, yeah. you know, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. I'm extremely blessed. But I work in a club um, where we have about, honestly, it's turned into like 70% straight because our brunch shows and our dinner shows are mostly straight people. And then the night shows are the gay, you know, the gay community. And my message that I have been given to everybody and I've been given to the crowds at my show is the show is about us, but it's for them. Challenge right. your, your straight friends and your family and everybody to sit down and watch the show. It yeah. would give them a better understanding of our struggles. It would give them a better understanding of, you know, you know, second guessing putting your child out and seeing him sleeping in a park bench. You know, mm-hmm. so I mm-hmm. challenge everybody to challenge your straight friends and your family members to just if you can watch Ratchet Ass, Loving Hip Hops and Housewives of This and Housewives of That, then you can watch that's this right. show. I mean it's that's it's, it's but you I know mean, it's not that's, that bad. Also that's also a double edged sword because you you're telling your straight friends to go watch the show, get a better insight on us. But the show is also playing on every stereotype that affects the gay community, especially the gay community of color. You know, so when they're watching the show, what are they what are they taking from it other than the fact that, oh yeah, if I have a gay son, he might just catch HIV or he's gonna he's gonna drop out of school or he's gonna be stealing out the stores. Is Pose really doing an awesome job of forming what the gay community is like to people who are not in the gay community or is it doing a better I want to job? I think that's very much required. And I'm going to say it really as simply as I can think of it. You can't tell part of the story. So if Pose was to go on and just show all the positive stuff. Pose is telling a part of the story. Pose is only telling a part of the story. Pose is you not can't look at it as a, whole. a general view of what it's like to be, you know, gay youth. That is only part. That is not everybody's struggle. That is not everybody. But Pose you know, is touching on multiple subjects. It's not able to go into depth on every single subject on every single episode. But it does need to touch on base of everything that's happening. It's not realistic to go on television and just show all the positive things. You can't understand a person's struggle unless you see the actual negative things that they've been through. So I think it's really good that they are trying to show a general overall of what's going on in the community without just showing all the positive things. So some of those people that, straight people that do watch it, some of them, that part we can't control. We can't control their mindset or their perception. All we can do is open them up to the area for them to see what's going on. So if they go on and all they see is negative, that's what they were planning to see when they went on the soft. And, 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 and let me say this, like, 
when it comes down, like let's say, for instance, you're saying, hey, you're telling your straight friends or whatever, or people who are curious about the culture and the community but don't necessarily know, you know, and you say, hey, I think you should watch Pose as a reference. With all that we've said, to, you know, so far, I think that it's very important that we um, let them know, like, okay, this is a storyline. You know, as with any other movie, any other series that comes on TV, you know, there's a progress, there's a progression, there's a story that happens, you know, and so this is just only one part of the story. Um, this is, you know, during a time where it's, you know, like the AIDS crisis is in the 80s, you know, and this is more so for, you know, this happened in New York City, so a lot of the people that are in the South can't necessarily relate to the kids sleeping out on the pier or doing going to the ballroom, you know, going to the balls or whatever. Because really, I can't in the South, really agree with that. You can't really agree with what. First of all, I don't think that there are – I think there are zero stereotypes. Everything that I have seen in that show is real. Everything that – No, no, no. Well, I, 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 I haven't I, – I real haven't said that. Hold on, 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 hold on one second, hold on one second. I, number one, I haven't said that, and I haven't – I have not even begun to tap into what I'm going to say in regards to this show. Um, I'm – all I'm harping on or talking about was when you're actually, you know, talking to your – straight people, you know, straight friends or family members or whatever, you know, letting, so they don't go in thinking everybody is like this. You, you say, exactly. well, this, this, this is the, this is a show. It's a show. It, it does represent a body of people, um, a, a, a certain, you know, uh, area or whatever the case may be, you know, um, I, I, I've never been kicked out of my house. You know, I grew up in the South, but there are part there are parts, like even with Damon, I, I never had a, a, you know, Damon has a conversation with his father. You know, even though I never had a, a, a conversation like that with my father, I don't have a relate. I don't have the relationship that I would like to have with my father. So I think can relate to right. the Damon character because it's like, well, you know what? He his father kicked him out. My father didn't kick me out, but at the same time, he doesn't have a relationship with his father, and I don't have a relationship that I would like to have with my father. And I think that's the same for him. You know what I'm saying? And you have a mother right. that, that that's. You know, so it's it's like it's just, it's different var- variables to it. But I, I think that people have to be very aware that this is a story. It has to be told, and we have to be number one thankful that we are able to be on a platform, or you know, our community is able to be on a platform such as FX for the stories to be told. You know, and I and I and there, I said but there's I, at the same time, and I agree mm-hmm. with you completely on that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, there's a certain responsibility when you control the narrative. And right mm-hmm. now, Pose controls the narrative for the gay community on TV. So with mm-hmm. that control, it's important for them, I think, with time to mm-hmm. expand, you know, upon how oh, yeah. they are represented. Yeah, I, I, the I'm community. Yeah, I think they're going to do that. I Absolutely. think that with, with having Steve Channels, with having Janet Mock, you know, with having other individuals that are listed as consultants for the show, I definitely think, and, and Jack, Ms. Ryan, said it at the Latex Ball. You know, this is only the beginning. You know, and and he said right. that he said that the, 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 the show will, yeah, the, the show will progress. And um, keep in mind that Steve um, Cannell, the one who is like the co-producer and the one who basically handed the script over to Ryan Murphy and said, you know, take a look at this, and Ryan Murphy said, I'm going to go with it. He is the one that said that every season, you know, it's just been renewed. So he says every season will represent a year or a year and a half. So eventually, and I remember that just, I mean, um, Jack's saying this at the ball, every, every, um, every season 
we will see a progression. We will see things change because what they want to do is they want to tell that 2000 story. They want to tell that 2015, 2018 story. But but we got well we got to get there, you know. And so right, that, a story has to be told. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Story has to be told. Um, well, but I, I want. Oh, go ahead. But I want to say, you know, when we were talking about like, you know, poles being like the story and this that, and the other, like you think about movies like Dallas Buyers Club, and I'm talking about black, you know, the black people, you know, they, a lot of us, eighty percent of people probably haven't watched the Dallas Buyers Club, and I'm talking about just the the black community, not not gay, not straight, just the community. Uh, Dallas Buyers Club, uh, The Normal Heart. Um, Philadelphia with uh, Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington. You know, I named those movies because they talk about the AIDS, the HIV epidemic, you know, and um, and, and I think though, I, I'm glad that we have uh, polls that can kind of tell that whole HIV, you know, the whole HIV narrative or the whole HIV AIDS story and so you can see what was actually going on because a lot of our people don't want to, they're not going to oh child, I'm going to go ahead and watch the Dallas Bad Club or the normal heart, they, they, because it's such a stigma in the community as a whole, they don't want to touch it. They want to watch it. Why, why do I don't watch that? But I think because Pose kind of puts a little entertainment twist on it, um, it allows people right. to kind of just, you know, follow along with the story, and then they're kind of like, okay, well, all right, well, yeah, that was a part, and then they kind of start to feel sorry, and, you know, this and that. Not necessarily sorry, but, you know, they, they start to become empathetic and, and really understand um, what those people in the 80s actually really went through. So, um, and so not to harp on this one, because I know we have others to touch on. Oh, go ahead. But to piggyback on we got, we, saying, got Paul, we got Paul's time. <laughs> go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I think TV is in bed. TV is to pique your interest. It's yeah. not really a liable source to learn any and everything that you need to learn. Just like people mm-hmm. think they can Google every single thing. That's not the right. case at all. Right. Right. So that's why I said what, what I think is positive about Paul's touching on these bases is because for those who truly want to know, those who truly want to look into it, those who truly want to be better at what they're doing as far as treating people right, it's going to pique their interest to find out why did this person go through this? What can I do to make sure I'm not that person or I, I don't treat someone who's going through that, you know, in that manner? So that's why I think touching right. on the basis of everything versus just showing the positive or just showing the negative right. is good. There's a lot of TV shows that I think are just nasty when it comes to, HIV and things like that, and I I feel like some people some shows just use that as a ploy. RuPaul Drag Race, for instance, every damn season somebody got to have HIV. Come on now, we already heard that story. Let, let's move on. Go de- go into depth with it. Show me something different. Show me something more. So with Pose, even though it, it mentioned it, I don't think it showed a whole lot of positive or a whole lot of negative. It literally threw it out there as a bite for you to grab. And if you wanted to look more into it, if you wanted to go more to depth into it. You would. So that's kind of why I like that it showed a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Right. And I was a little, I, I've oh, been kind of harsh on post, but before I move on, I do just want to say what I love about it. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I really like about it is the representation of the gay family. You know, mm-hmm. so many people who are not in the lifestyle don't understand. You know, mm-hmm. they think it's just it's, it's just a game or it's just, just for fun. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of people are saying, Mom and Dad, because you were there for me when no one else was, because you opened your mm-hmm. door because you loved me, because mm-hmm. you motivated me, mm-hmm. you helped me to, you know, make a way around. So that part of it, you know, that's one of the things that I really like about it, that they're shedding light on the gay family in a positive way and, and showing that it's family. It's, it's family, period, right. you know. And, Chris, let me, let me, let me um, I, I, since you opened that up, I want you to be able to um, answer this. 
I'm going to read, you know, read something um, that I jotted down. Um, well, I didn't really jot it down. I took it from an inbox. But uh, I got a um, an inbox from one of my distant cousins. Um, we went to high school together, whatever. But you know, once you graduate, move out of town, you know, move away and all that kind of stuff. You don't, you don't talk to them as much. So she inboxed me and she said, "I posted a comment under your status about the show last night, but decided to delete in the event it came across weird." So I've noticed sometimes gay men often refer to others as sons, quote-unquote, or nephews, quote-unquote, people that are clearly not related to them. Is this just a term of endearment, question mark? Um, when you don't ask, uh, what she said, when you don't know, you ask. Um, so we're, I'll go ahead and, and, and pose that over to, I didn't answer her because I was like, you know what, we're going to talk about this tonight, so might as well. So how, how would you respond or, or what is your what is your um like, what is your response to that, but not only to her, but to anyone that does not understand the dynamic of the father, son, mother, daughter, um, as it relates to the LGBTQIA community? You know, sometimes it is just endearment. Sometimes it is endearment. Sometimes it's funny games. Sometimes I'm just going to say, sis and son, and, you know, and I'm just joking and being silly. Mm-hmm. But there are times that it's so much more than that. And it really just depends on the situation and the person. But gay families have come in and literally replaced families when people have had oh, yeah. nothing, nowhere to go. You know, my Preach. gay father is Quentin Raydell Jones, you know, and this is, and he was just, I've never had a, a dad growing up in my life. And then I met him, and he's just been a constant force in my life, someone I could always depend on. He's never told me to do something that he wouldn't do. He's always had my best interest at heart, always looked out for me, you know. So he is my dad. So when I say dad or pops or whatever I say, I mean it, you know, and no, there's no biological relationship, but it's a relationship from the heart. So it could be as casual or serious as the person makes it, you know. So I think if someone sees it, you know, just respect it because you don't know the depth of that relationship. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 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 It, it could yeah. be something I'm a little bit more. But would anyone want to add to that response? Yeah, uh, when, I, when I was asked that question. Go ahead, Albion. When I when I was asked that question, I always tell people it's just like in straight in the straight lifestyle when your parents um, give you godparents and you have a god sister, mm-hmm. god brother, mm-hmm. god this. Mm-hmm. Y'all not really related to each other. <laughs> Y'all not really related to each other, but you have that relationship and you build and you grow and you accept that person as your family and you love and t- you know they take you in, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's kind of the same thing in the straight. I mean, in the gay lifestyle where, you know, our gay families are like to straight people, like our God families. They're the, the people mm-hmm. I, for my godmother when I was younger, whenever my mama like got on my nerves and wouldn't let me have my way, I wanted to go to my godmama house because I knew that she right. would take care of me and let me have my way. So it's kind of mm-hmm. the same mm-hmm. way, you know, for for the gay people. When, the, when our straight parents, you know, disown us or whatever the case may be, or you just need that extra guidance in the lifestyle, you get you some gay godparent kind of thing. So I'm gonna piggyback off of Alvion because Go that's ahead. kind of what I was gonna say. But I think I think that one thing I'm gonna touch on something else in the midst of speaking on this. I think one thing we need to do is be more open to answering these questions. And the reason I say that is because there are a lot of people out there who want to understand us, who want to understand what we're going through, and how we relate and what we have going on. But we're so defensive. As soon as somebody asks a question, "What is a gay mother?" A lot of people in the gay community are ready to snap. They're ready to go off. They feel disrespected, but you haven't opened up 
to that person for them to understand because some people really just want to know. So to answer the question overall, as Albion said, that's what I do. I try to relate things to people in a way that they can understand. So sometimes I tell them it's, it's, it's like a godparent. Sometimes I tell them, well, back in the South, I don't know if it was a boy, but when I was younger, they had what was called a big brother, big sister program. It was people older than us, they could be in high school or maybe even college, that they paired us with, and they were supposed to be mentors to us and teach us about a lot of different things that they were going through. We had no relationship to them, but they were called our big brothers. They were called our big sister. So in the gay lifestyle, it's the same exact thing. It's somebody that you feel has, well, you should feel anyway, has um, the experience in an area that you're wanting to go into or experience in a gay lifestyle, I often think that a person can't really teach you something that they don't know. So a lot of times our biological parents, they don't know about the gay lifestyle. They don't know about what goes on, how it goes on, what you need to be aware of, all that stuff they just don't know. HIV does play the straight as well as the gay community, but let's be honest, for years and years, it's played the gay community more. So the straight community doesn't have the insight to it the way that we do. So some parents just don't know. But if we don't open up and are able to answer those questions, are able to help them understand certain things like gay families, gay parents, and all those other things, they're not going to know. But to end my statement, the second thing I have to say about gay families, we got to learn to take it serious. Because the gay community yeah. is, is too, too, too much with this gay family stuff. Somebody's gay mama because you want to do the pageant tomorrow and you want to borrow something. Somebody's gay child because you want them to go boost something for you. You want some sponsorship. Or somebody's child because you want to sleep with them. Like, we can't expect anybody else to take it serious if we don't take it serious. I've never slept with my gay parents. I never slept with my gay kids. That's just something I don't do. I take it very serious. And I treat them just as such. My children respect me, period, point blank. There is no question about it. If you don't see me as a viable source of growth in your life, I should not be your parent. So I think the community itself needs to start doing the same thing. Hold people accountable. If they ask you to be your child, why do you want me to be your child? What am I going to get out of it? What am I going to learn from you? Same thing with vice versa. I mean, I just feel like we got to take it more serious and then the community and people outside the community can take it more serious. Yeah, um, I definitely agree. Uh, was that Tyreek? <laughs> well, I had something um, as well. Go ahead, Tyreek, and then, I, then I'll chime in. Um, you know, when coming from where I'm from, which is you know, a couple of hours from um, New Orleans or whatever, I was told as a high school, you know, student or whatever, like the gay lifestyle and gay families are almost like a cult. And, I, you know, it kind of scared me because I'm like, what the hell? You know, I know I'm going through this um, sexual identity thing and, you know, it's a cult and, you know, just hearing all kind of things and kind of, again, going back to the, the polls thing, that came from the stereotypes that straights, I guess, had because of what they saw in the community where I'm from. Um, they, didn't many, they didn't see many successful uh, black gay males. You know, they saw uh, a certain lifestyle that was associated with being gay, and that's all they knew. So... My gay family, uh, again, with my gay mom and, and her encouraging me to go to school and, and teaching me not just uh, about pageants or not just about balls, but the ins and outs of the lifestyle, you know, uh, relationships with a male. You know, um, one thing she told me years ago is like one year with a, a male, two males and together is like five years of a straight relationship. And that's, that's true. up with me because it's like you go through so much in those 365 days that the straight relationship, you know, just doesn't get that quickly. We move a lot faster for one reason or another. So 
um, because, again, my family, you know, stood by me, supported me, encouraged me, and things like that, it, it cleared my mind of what straight society had implanted when I was younger, and it proved that we're not a cult. We're no different than, um, as y'all stated earlier, um, God brothers and sisters and God mothers mm-hmm. or whatever. It's a family that has pretty much taken us in to mold us and help us. Unfortunately, again, like someone stated, yeah, there are some times when um, someone wants to have sex with somebody, so I'll adopt them. Or someone wants the financial gain or the popularity, so that's why I'm going to try to get in that family. But um, fortunately for me, my family hasn't done that, and, and that's, you know, the best part of my family, I guess. Okay, so um, I want there was a lot of things that I wanted to say, <laughs> so I'm going to try to do it <laughs> as much as I can. Um, number one, my cousin is texting or sending me an inbox now. Um, what, I'm going to play for you guys later in a little bit what I sent her for her to go and watch because they kind of, you know, talked about the family thing. And she just said, thank you. I watched the first episode and I loved it. And I told her to go to my page. My radio show is on now. And we are discussing. Oh, hold on one second. Look, I'm I'm talking while talking to her while I'm on the show, but you know, I mean, that's just how it happens. And, and we're discussing um, what you what you brought to my attention. Okay, so um, the gay parents. I'm start. I'll go back. I'll start at gay parents, and I'm gonna go back to pose and kind of break some things down, and, and that may create even more conversation. But let me just tell you, I love the way the conversation is going. Someone did have a question, um, and uh, I actually knew who it was. I reached out to them via text message. They they pressed one. And they said, don't worry about it. You are actually already covered what I was going to talk about, so that's great. But as far as the gay parents, I, I think that how things start is how they'll end, um, how things start is how they'll finish. If you start good, you're in good. Start bad, it'll end bad. And so um, when, you are, when you are raised up or reared in a very good, wholesome community, um, family, whatever it is, it doesn't have to. It doesn't, I don't care if you have two two parents or, or one parent, or you're raised by auntie, uncle, or adopted. It doesn't matter. If, if you're raised up and reared by very good people who instill great family values, you know those things will pass along. And sometimes, even when you are in in a setting where you are not reared by the best, you, or you don't have the best, you some people have that willpower and that fight to make sure that they are not exemplifying what their bad parent did. So even though I don't have the greatest relationship with my father, and it's not that bad, but we just don't have a real great relationship, I know that when I have kids, I'm going to make sure that I don't have the same relationship. That, 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 is, that is my challenge, and that is, that, is what, that is my promise to myself, that I'm going to make sure that I'm in my child's life, which is my son, daughter, whatever. You know, um, but I, I feel like as gay parents, when you're taking on that, because I love what um, Zachariah talked about, is the fact that when you're taking on these pa- when you're taking on these uh, kids, you you know, I, I would say I was raised by some very good people in the community, and so that's why all of my kids, I have very good relationships with, or whatever. All of my relationships didn't start overnight. I see a lot of these relationships these these parents and kids have that have started overnight. I I saw one time a trans a trans woman put on Facebook, I, you know, and she's very known. Oh, I want some I want some gay kids, you know. And because I knew her, I hit her up in inbox and said, I don't think that's the best approach because you're gonna have kids that are coming to you simply because of who you are and what they feel that you can do for them. 
you know? So it's, it's very important that for me, and I think for a lot of us on this phone, or all of us, I think that relationships should be organic. They should, they should be relationships that just happen, you know? And when, when, when people came to me and said, I, I want you to be my gay mom or my gay dad or gay parent, you know, whatever, because I'm a mom to some and a dad to others, you know, um, I said, baby, I don't know you. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, I don't know you, but I have, in order for me to protect my peace, protect my space and the energy in my room and around me, I'm not going to welcome just any and everybody into my life. And so just like a relationship and just like a friendship, those, th- those things take time. And so what we need to do, let's go out and let me, let me, let me figure out who you are and, you know, go from there and, you know, we, we may hit it off and we may be a good parent, father and son or mother and daughter, whatever, or we may not. Because the last thing I want to do is you calling me mother and father, and then two weeks later, you're not my child anymore. You know, so Zachary, great point. It's very important that if we're going to take on the role of a parental, you know, of a parent in this community, that we are do, that we are doing it, doing right by them. And so I love what Blanca does. I, I love how she is as a parent. Um, and so um, going, you know, past that, going back to polls, the things that I want to break down, if you guys want to chime in as I, you know, as I break each one down, and you say, hey, yeah, yeah, you want to chime in, you want to say something, please do it. Um, the first thing is trans. Um, no matter if you are passable or real, trans woman or otherwise, no one has it perfect. In the first episode, Electra makes it her business to point out to Blanca that she isn't as real as she is. But yet, even though she is real, her main challenge, as we see, you know, toward the end of the season, is that she sacrificed her way of living for her to live out her life authentically and physically in the way that she saw and felt. Um, I appreciate the barriers and the walls created by a lot of the characters, um, from Praytale, who's the, you know, the, like the Jack Mizrahi, the commentator, um, Electra, Blanca, Little Poppy, and Angel. Because um, as the series moves forward, you are able to understand why certain barriers are placed and how they are derived, most from their childhood and most from abandonment. Of abandonment. You see, you see a black trans woman on top of the world, that being Electra within her community, then um, placed literally lower than her peers, so to speak, because of her choice, you know, for her to have the surgery or whatever. And then you start to see her struggle. You see her go back to, you know, quote unquote, sex work, you know, and and so that resonates to what we see today with trans women, as far as you know, she she was on the top of the world, she lost it all, she went back to what she knew. And then she had someone bring her along and say, girl, you're better than that. Get a real job, you know. And so we, we're starting to see that just in today's society. We're starting to see trans women not afraid to go and get on the train, get on the bus, get in the car, and go to work and have an honest job. Um, another thing I appreciate personally, the struggle shown and the viewpoint the writers are attempting to bring to light because there is a vast majority of people who don't know what we go through, as we talked about, gay, bi, trans, and queer folks, so it's important that the stories are told. Um, so many people had issues at first regarding the ball concept. You know, that was a, a big thing over the, 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 the Internet and seeing the balls, but I personally look at it differently than most. Um, to me, the ballroom scene served as the nucleus or the middle ground for the show um, because especially in a time where gay still wasn't normal or as normal as it is today, or may I say accepted or tolerated, there were outlets where gay men and women were able to be free and creative. And that place, especially up north, as I said before, was the ballroom community. And in the, in the, in the south, it was more so the pageant. 
Um, and lastly, uh, goes back to what we were talking about, is that because um, because there is so much that we can talk about, I wholeheartedly appreciate Blanca. You know, at the end of the day, no matter the struggle, the circumstance, the personal issue she made, um, she made sure to always push her children to be in great. Um, I get what I get from her character um, is that just because you come from a broken home or environment doesn't mean that you have to remain broken or stay in that place or funk. You know, sometimes you just have to pick up the pieces, turn that lemon, in, turn those lemons into lemonade, and you just go ahead and press forward. So through, so through even her personal issues um, that are, are, are clearly not all in the open yet, with her being, you know, HIV positive, only pray tell and. Who else knows? Pray tell and uh, come on, somebody help me. Pray tell and Angel. They're they're the only ones that know that she's HIV positive. So I appreciate that she sees the greater good. She knows that she wants. She knows that she wants to go ahead and leave an impression on her kids and also the legacy in her community. Um, and the only big con that I have um, was the fact that <laughs> two things. Uh, if you guys picked it up, there was a scene where she where she, I think she's doing. I have a pray tales nails. Yeah, she's doing pray tales nails in the shop. And outside, you see a DHL van go by. Now, DHL was created many, many years ago, way past the, I think it was like in the 60s or past, probably past that. But the thing I had was that you see a brand new DHL van in the background. You know, it's like you see a 2018. <laughs> and, 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 and because I'm a person that pays attention to those details, you know, I'm like, well, baby, you know, <laughs> y'all didn't see that? You know, um, that for one. You're and look at, you look at you whole lot. No, no, but, that, but that's who I am. I observe everything. I mean, I mean, I should know that. Um, so you want them to redo the whole thing? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. What I'm, but, 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 but hold on, Alvion. Even though what, I, what I'm saying is, number one, you need to edit. You know, you have to go back. When, you, when you're in production, I don't know how many of you have ever been in production, but um, when you are in production, you think you do things over and over and over again. And there's a thing yep. called the editing room. And at that point, they, they could have worked around that, you know. But I do know that those things, as, as the show gets, you know, um, more and more, you know, you're, you're not going to see those little things happen anymore. Um, and that could be a thing from a permit thing, you know, and I don't know if you guys know, but like in New York City, like each on each side of me, like power tapes on each side of my um, my office, like, you know, when they're in season or whatever, or when they're in production. And so they'll block the entire streets off and they'll say, you can't park here, you know, da, 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 this and the other. And so when it comes down to production, it could be like they have a permit to tape, but they don't have a permit to block the entire street. You know, because of course that costs yeah, money. Traffic. So, so yeah, right. so th so so that could have been you know a thing. But aside from that, the thing that I caught and and it's it's really to the writers is that if you guys remember Stan, the white guy that is dating Angel, remember he came to the pier in his car, and he saw he didn't see Angel, but he saw this girl. You remember the girl? She came up to the car and she you know you know he was like hey you know. Uh, where's Angel? And she was like, oh, you can go down to Times Square or whatever. Okay. Well, that girl re resurfaces on like the seventh episode or whatever. And the introduction that they have when he's at the ball, it's kind of like they don't know each other. She doesn't know him. And so it's kind of like I look at stuff like that, like you have to be fluid in your writing, you know, because these characters have, have seen each other before. They, they, I mean, she literally was in his, hanging into his car. 
and it was basically like they were strangers, you know, yet all over again. I mean, again, that's something like really minute or whatever, but I think that as time goes right. on, those right. things will, um, those things will get when, better. When them people on them pills and on them docks, they is not thinking about what these people look like. Baby, that was a date that showed up. She didn't get no corn from him. She probably forgot him right after. <laughs> right. <laughs> Child died. <laughs> I was, he looked like every other white man. He looked like every other white man that pulled up on that night. Exactly. Now she had she had him, and he gave her a good thousand. She would have remembered. He would have remembered her. <laughs> that real thing. <laughs> Oh, so what I want to what I want to play really quickly is called um, Poe's Identity, Family, and Community, um, and it's actually the the audio. Um, well, I, I sent the video actually to um, my cousin so she can you know just listen. She just um, watched it, but I'm gonna play this really quickly, and it's basically like a behind the scenes of some of the characters and what they actually went through um, as a family. So. Um, well, within their family. So just hold for me real, real quickly. I'm going to put you guys on mute, and then we're going to play the pose, identity, family, and community, and then we'll be right back to discuss. So hold on for me. I was always wondering how I would fit in to the normal crowd and into my own community being someone who's very different. I questioned my place in the world from the time I realized that my body parts did not match who I was who I am, I should say. Someone's like, oh, that's a trans person. It's almost always violent. Trans women, you know, we, we go to extents to keep people from assuming that you're trans, you know, to be safe. I had this moment where I actually enlisted in the military into the Navy when I was 17 years old. I really wanted to change my mother's disappointment in me. I wanted to be normal. I thought that the military would toughen me up and that it would change me. But one day when I found myself hanging by my ankles out of a third story window as my shipmates are trying to get me to admit to me being gay, which would not have been true for me. And in that moment, I had decided if I were allowed to make it out of this alive, that I would never again live my life for someone else, even if it was family. At all costs, I had to live my life for myself. I come from a very religious family, and gay is the worst thing you could be. So this community was formed to pick up the slack when biological families didn't care to. When did your parents find out when you were gay and like how, how did they feel? My dad found out by catching me on top of a man. Yes! <laughs> I feared for everyone's life that day because my dad is Dominic <laughs> was a Dominican man and I just felt so devastated because my dad was, he was like my number one guy. Like, he would always get me anything I wanted. Um, I'm sorry. And then the next day he spoke to me and he's like, you know, I love you. This doesn't matter. So, you know, he was just always like my rock. Last December he, he passed away, so I just miss him a lot. And these are like moments that it just hurts that I won't be able to share with him. And conversations I won't ever be able to have, so. 
Yeah, I'm good. My parents are my foundation. This is my daddy, y'all. I'm sorry, daddy, you want um on speaker and you on the camera. We were just talking about how you and my mother and, you know, Cynthia were big. And how we support you and how we are there for you no matter what. I love you, Daddy. I'm going to see you in a second. I love you, too. All right. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sitting here talking. I have my phone on mute. Um, but no, that 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 part um, there was a little bit more to it, but it was just kind of them at um, an event for the show. But I just um, what I loved about it was just the fact that it kind of like broke down like each person that plays a character or the majority of them. You know, they have a story just like we all do. And um, I, it was I was surprised to um, to know that a lot of them are total you know are the total opposite of what they play. Of course, we know that happens. You know, just in regular you know theater and, and series and stuff like that, but being that it's so close to home and it's something that that's really a part of your life, whether you be trans, queer, bi, whatever, you know, um, I, I was, you know, I, I enjoyed the fact that um, they really came from some, you know, some great homes, some some good upbringing or whatever. Um, so you guys can check, check out that on, um, on my Facebook page and also on YouTube. So my, my question to you guys um, is, have you guys gotten any friends involved in watching the show? Like once you started watching it, did you guys, like, you know, call up your friends, your guy friends, or, you know, start pulling people in to watch the show as well? I definitely, I'm going to actually you know, cool. even, though, even though some of my criticism has been hard, you know, just for the culture alone, even if I think if I didn't, like, pose it all, I still would have, you know, encouraged people to watch it the same mm-hmm. way, just because we need that strong support just to continue those type of shows and continue the inside, you know? Yeah, yeah. I haven't invited so anybody. Actually, a couple of people we talked to personally, they were already watching, so I didn't have anybody to invite. Okay, good. Are you going to be one of my kids invited me to watch the show? Oh, say one of your so you didn't even see it on social. So one of your friends told you about, it, or your kids told you about it? Yeah, because honestly, I had I stereotyped the show. I was like, I don't want to see oh. this. A bunch of them jumping around. It ain't gonna be no good. It's just gonna be they gonna right. make a fool out of us like they always do. Uh-huh. Blah blah blah. I'm not gonna watch it. And he was like, uh-huh. No, you really need to watch it. So we sat down and watched the first episode, and I stuck everything. Yeah, um, it's interesting you said that because I remember um, I don't know how many of you guys um, support T.S. Madison in her show, but um, it wasn't even her show. She just did a line, and they were talking about the pose or whatever. And you know, I was surprised because I know T, I knew, I know her personally, and she just was like, "Oh no, I'm not watching that. I'll turn it on in the in the in the bedroom, and I'll so they can get their numbers, but I'm not watching that. Like, I can't identify with that. I can't relate to that. Blah, blah, blah. So I was like shocked. Like, I cannot believe she's saying this. You know, especially because she has such a great uh, a big following. But I'm I was surprised, but good to I was glad to see in here that she did she is watching it now, and she uh, you know there are certain you know. Um, parts of it that she can relate to, not all, but there are certain parts that she can relate to um, as well. So I was kind of like, at first, like, oh my God, like, why not? You know, um, you should at least, I mean, there's just regular shows that, you know, that are on. I mean, we watch Power, we watch Empire, we, it's a lot that we can't relate to on that, but we watch it anyway. So, um, so yeah, so that, that was something that, um, that kind of struck me at first. Um, what are you guys hoping, just within the next season, because you guys know the stories now, 
what are you hoping to see just within the next season of Empire? I mean, excuse me, not Empire, of um, Pose. What do, you, what do you hope to happen? I just hope they start moving towards the positive progression. Like we talked about that they put a lot of the um, quote-unquote stereotype stuff out there. I right. hope they start to move more into the, the positive, you know, things that, that come from it. But, I mean, I guess positive things will come from it. He's doing great in school, mm-hmm. you know, got a scholarship. Ricky's mm-hmm. on the road now. So right. I mean, they are showing mm-hmm. some positive things too. Right. right. I personally wouldn't make any uh, – I don't really have anything in mind as to what I'm looking for on the show. It's kind of new to me. I don't know much about the ball rules. I've never been to a ball so I'm really just watching to see what I can learn for myself. So I don't really have any expectations of the show. I'm just watching to see what I can learn. Yeah, and Janet, Janet Mock said something, um, and, and, I, and we'll go to the next topic, but um, Janet Mock said something in relation to the show because they were interviewing her, and I have it here, but I don't feel like reading it, so I'm just paraphrasing, but um, they were asking her about, like, the show and, and the criticism and this and the other, and she was basically saying, like, you know, people are already expecting bad things to happen. Like they want to see, you know, you know, they want to see Angel actually in the car, you know, giving the guy head. She said, "You're not going to see nothing like right. that. We're not showing that. You, um, you want to see something happen where the girl gets murdered. We're not showing that. We're, we're, we're not telling those stories." She said, "You can go." She said, "You can go and look to Law and Order for that, or whatever." So she was like, "A lot of the stuff." She wants you to leave to the imagination. So, like, when she would go in the car with Stan or whatever, and, they're, and at the end of the show, you know, they're in the car and they're going away, you imagine what has happened. You know, it's, it's kind of like certain certain parts she, they don't want to show because they, they don't want to demean the trans woman in that way. You know, you just, you know what's happening. Now, we'll need, we'll need to show you. Okay. Well, tweet her and tell I her. I don't, don't agree with her because I agree <laughs> with women are getting murdered. They are. They are. But that's so that, the, and, 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 and right now. That's the, that's that's a, that that is, and, and I and I I'm with you. I'm totally with you. But I think, at least for this season, that's that's not a story they want to tell. That's not a story. Well, they, they want to tell. Not for this stereotype, but not any other stereotype. I don't know. You might want to speed up. Why is that stereotype? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like, I get no. I get it. No, I get it. I get it. And 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 I think well, again. Please. Go ahead. Go ahead, Avian. Well, see, again, you got to remember that in the 80s, it was happening and nobody cared. So if we're mm-hmm. talking about it progressing now and we're speaking mm-hmm. out against it and we're mm-hmm. outraged about it, then maybe it'll get to that point where, you know, they are showing transgender murders and the things that we're doing to try to stop them. So like Michael said, so like right now in that 80s series or the 80s episodes, you know, back then they didn't care. You know, they were glad they killed one of us. Now, how many bodies do you think actually ended up in that pier? And nobody cares. Right. And she said, so she says verbatim, she said, we've seen images on Law and Order where, we, where we're being brutalized and raped, but we have not seen something where we're gathered together in a space celebrating one another, reading one another, offering encouragement and affirmation. For me, fine, let us create a fairy tale, but I don't feel like it's unrealistic. We are choosing to show the grit, but not, but not go so dark. This is not The Wire. This is not The Deuce. This is not Law and Order. If this show were a failure, I have to still go back to my community and be held accountable. They can say they made me feel good. This made me hopeful. This made me feel as if maybe I should go audition for something and maybe I should go back to school. So that is kind of like what, I guess, for this season, what they were trying to portray. They weren't really trying to go, like she said, grit, but not go so dark. 
Um, okay, so, yeah, so, so, okay. I know you said what? One thing I would like to see, one thing I would like uh-huh. to see, I know it's still early on in the series. Go ahead, Ty. Uh-huh. Um, but, but somewhat, you know, like I relate to Noah's arc, how you had, um, I guess, working professionals who were, I guess, in the community mm. or gay. Mm-hmm. with the doctor and stuff like that. I know mm-hmm. we're still early where it's, we're focusing on right. the ballroom scene and whatever, but kind of like what you mentioned, let's see, you know, Angel going into a bank or whatever and being a teller or whatever she's doing, right. whatever, because that is a reflection. We're not all, you know, in a specific career. Um, right. We're not all, you know, in a, in, a, in a call center or whatever the case may be. We all have different um, career paths, and I would like to see that. Yeah, and I would like to see even Damon. I feel like Damon is kind of through with, to the wayside, especially with him being like the startup of the uh, of the series and his show being, I mean, his scene and his story being so like profound. Like I want to eventually see Damon, you know, reunite at least with his mother. And you know that's something that sometimes or most times happens a lot of the pe- a lot of times with people who get you know straight away from their family where the, they seem to always go back to the mom. So you know, the mom is the mama bear. She's always going to be the one that's loving regardless of whatever. She's just kind of going along with daddy right now, but I feel like, or I would like to see Damon, you know, reunite back with his, at least his mother, you know, and so they can see, you know, you know, or, or she can appreciate where he's gone and then appreciate Blanca for what she did for her child during the time that they were apart and all that. So, yeah, so that's great. Um, remember, everyone listening tonight and um, those supporting polls, polls is a movement. It's very rare that you see something that's intentionally um, structured to help the community. Um, it is more than a show. It is more than entertainment. It's about changing people's perspective, um, their view, and their lives. So let's just go ahead and give it up once again for Stephen Cannells, uh, Ryan Murphy, Janet Mott, Twiggy Garcon, Dominique Jackson, a.k.a. Tyra Ross, um, Hector Extravaganza, and all of those affili- affiliated far and wide for making this show what I believe is a hit, and that's all we have for Pose. So um, we'll see what happens next season. Um, I hope y'all don't have me wait a whole year, but uh, it is what it is. So um, we're going to move on to social media. Um, that's going to be our next topic and our, and our last topic. Um, I wanted this, I wanted, I mean, something may derive from this, but I wanted um, this particular roundtable to do really be meaty, and we kind of talk about not not uh, shorten our topics or our discussion around uh, around a topic. Um, so we want to go to social media now because um, social social media has evolved over the time from College Club, if some of you guys remember College Club, uh, MySpace, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram to Snapchat. Um, it's made many people famous. Many people have had connections, friendships, even relationships have derived from what we now know as social media. Um, so let's take some time out to unpack the social media topic. Um, we've seen social media have impacts on politics, business, um, effects on socialization, and, and all of that. So um, let's talk about social media. Like, you know, what, what, are the, what are the pros and cons of social media? What do you like? And I'll call you guys out so everybody's not speaking all at one time. But what do you guys love about social media? And what do you hate about social media? We'll start there. And I'll start with uh, I'll start I'll start with Tyreek. What do you love about social media, and what do you hate about social media? Okay, I probably love the fact that again that you can connect with people, uh, become friends with people, or associates with people um, who you wouldn't normally see um, because they may be in another city, another country, or you know you wouldn't interact with them on a regular basis. It, it allows a lot of connections to be built, networking and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
two things I really, really hate about social media um, are the quote-unquote social media bullies, um, people that troll online, and they're big and bad, and they make just obnoxious comments about a person, a thing, mm. uh, or whatever, or people, whatever. And, you know, it's for no reason. You know, it's it's uncalled for most of the time. I encounter some of them um, regularly where it's like, you know, I see you in person and you tell me absolutely nothing, but then you get, you know, behind a keyboard and you have so mm-hmm. much, um, so much to, say. to say. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that, that's, you know, it, it, it's a pet peeve of mine. And outside of that, um, I don't like where – some employers now um, are literally stalking your social media because mm. it should be an outlet where you can be yourself. You know, mm-hmm. you can say things, you know, and, and whatever the case may be. But I've seen where one of my close <laughs> friends um, was reprimanded for sharing a post that had nothing to do with the job, mm. but it had something to do with our occupation. And mm. she was reprimanded for just sharing the post um, because the, the, the higher up person uh was just looking for a reason, and like I said, he just stalked our social media without, you know, our knowledge. And, of course, policy came out after that that we have to be mindful what we posted or whatever. But I don't, you know, I feel like if we can't be ourselves somewhere, um, you know, it's, it's just it's just crazy. Um, so that's two things I don't like. Well, well let me ask you this, because um, you said, you know, you can't be yourself and all of that. Does what you put on social media reflect who you are at your core? Who you are authentically? Does, does, uh, I mean, personally, mm-hmm. yes, I would. I would okay. honestly think so. But mm-hmm. if I see something that's funny and I share it, right, right. Um, you know, I'm just sharing a post for my friends or people who are on my timeline, right. um, or whatever to see, and it's like that's not behavior of a professional or whatever. And it's like I just share right. a post, y'all. It's not like I said, hang them all or. You know, right. whatever. It's like I shared <laughs> right. something that was on a wall and I thought was funny. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't malicious. It wasn't endangering anyone. It didn't, you know, downplay anyone or, or discriminate against anyone. But, you know, it, it just it, it blew up. And, and, so and personally, I, and, I, and, and I feel, you know, honestly, that as a employer, I mean, people can, you know, you guys chime in and disagree if you want to. But I feel like if I share something like your coworker did or whatever or whoever, if they it, um, if they share something and you know whatever, and then my my boss or my manager or whoever, my director came to me and said, you know, hey, you know, we saw you post this, da da da. Allow me to explain. Allow me to you know let me have the conversation because what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to especially if I wasn't hating. There was no hating out there. There was no cursing, I wasn't down it, you know, I was just sharing a post or whatever the case may be. I'll take that L, but what you're not gonna do is reprimand me for that, for just for just simply being on social media because I'm not on your social media, you know, trying to see what you're doing, you know, and if it's right. not doing anything that is a bad representation for the company itself, then I honestly feel like that goes two you know, ways. That's just that a goes big. two ways. That, that, that definitely goes two ways, though, because it's easy okay. for us to say, you know, I don't want my boss on my social media. You mm. know, it's not fair to, to reprimand me based on what I post. But mm. that whole thing that happened at Starbucks, would the company have had that, that nationwide national training if it had not mm. been for social media? All these racist oh, no, definitely not. Yeah. employees in the public, yeah. you know, who lost their job, would that have happened if it wasn't for, I mean, you I, know? I, I feel like those things are, are – those things, yeah, that's what you should be, you know, getting, you know, um, 
Yeah, your hand slap for a reprimanded or whatever. How do you like that but not like it when it comes knocking on your door? You know what I'm saying? But if I'm sharing, if I'm sharing what the, the young lady shared a post in reference to her, the the type of position that she has, is that right, Tui? Yeah, it, it was literally like, um, and I'm trying to be more general, you know, because I don't uh, want to. Right, right, right. <laughs> but it, it's like, uh, let's say we work at McDonald's and we share right. a post saying free gift card at Burger King. And it's like, yo, it was just a post. You know, we just shared it. We weren't trying to stop McDonald's from making money. We just shared a post. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, but well, well, I'll tell you this. Even though it's not a rule at my company, I work for Verizon. I work. I've been working for Verizon for ten years, and um, and I've had Verizon for ten years. I probably would never ever share anything about AT and T, T Mobile, Sprint, whoever. You know, it's just I don't. I don't like because those are that's like our competitors. Again, right. this, I mean, right. you know, I, I I just wouldn't. But I don't think that. I just personally don't feel like she should be reprimanded for that. But when we get down to stuff like people are being, you know, the whole Starbucks thing or, you know, the cops and all of that, yeah, social media has played a, a big part in the things that, in the changes that are being made within companies, the changes that are being made within the, the, the government, the changes that are being made in, in the law enforcement and things of that nature. So I, I, there's a big plus for social media as, as it relates to that. But I think these little minute things, like, that's just my, that's my personal opinion. Um, but... I'm a I'm a person that that I'm not on social media as who I am at what what my what my ID says you know and that's and that's right. just that's just what you know if you're gonna play the game play it play it the right way but at the same time as an upstanding person, a person with integrity as a person with integrity I'm not gonna sit here people know I don't sit here and just be malicious as you know as a person being malicious and all this all this crazy stuff because at the end of the day no matter if it's my government name or or my nickname you know I'm at the end of the day behind that screen name is a person and the same person that you right. see you know walking around should be the same person on, on you know on the internet or whatever so but I get it uh you know I want to go ahead right there who was that, who was that? Zachary? Zachary speaking okay go ahead yes so uh, 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 I guess I want to say a few things. So what, what I love about social media, mm-hmm. just to answer the question we were earlier, it, it's just that what he said. You get to reach out to so many people. You get to see yeah. and experience so many things that you probably will never in life get to be able to see and experience. So it, it may not be the actual thing, but, again, I feel like it's the same thing as TV. It gives you a snippet. It gives you a glimpse. It makes your mind think. It makes your mind wonder. So it sets you up to possibly go somewhere and do something different. So I love social media for that. It gives you great ideas of things that you can do, people that you can be, can see stories of people, you know, that can motivate you to do things of that nature. What I hate about social media is people think they really know you by your Mm. social media. I'm glad you talked about that. You do not know me by my social media. And I mean that in so many ways by the fact that I can have a conversation with people, and this is just my own life. I'm only speaking for myself. And they will have no idea that I'm an educated black man just because I, I choose to show skin on social media. I cannot tell you how many times I get judged by pictures that I post and later find out, oh, you're so humble. Oh, you're so nice. Oh, you're so educated. You do not know a person by what they put on social media. So some people feel like who you are on social media is who you are in real life. I don't. I feel like who I am on social media is who I let you see. Here, point blank. Simple as that. I'm not going to show you every single part of my life, 
And people would say oftentimes, you sag every single day. No, what you see is what I put online. I'm not going to show you every single day I get up and get dressed and take a picture and put it online. What you don't know is I work for a bank. I work, I'm a collection specialist that works at a, a bank, a, a credit union. But that's not something I'm going to put online every day. Why? Because that's not part of my life that I want you to be a part of. So stop assuming mm. that you know people just by certain things that you see. To me, social media is entertainment. So guess what I'm going to post? The entertaining parts of my life. Me going to work every day ain't nothing entertaining to me. That ain't nothing that I feel like I want to share with the world and let them see. That's nothing entertaining. Yes, when I get up and I throw on just a pair of slacks and a button-up shirt, that's what I do on an everyday basis. So I'm not going to post it. If I'm going to the club and I done put this little outfit together and, yeah, I got on a cute pair of underwear, I've worked out, I got a nice body, guess what? That's entertainment. That's something that I'm going to show. That does not mean that's exactly who I am. So the main thing I hate about social media is people are so damn quick to judge and to feel like they know you when they really don't know anything about you at all. So to the part about your job, I, I would say I'm blessed because of the fact that I've never really – well, my first job, I struggled to get a job. But since then, I've never been in a place or a position where I was not able to get a job. So I think I may view this a little different than other people, and I'm not taking away from anybody's struggle. But I'm not the type of person where I'm going to work at a job where I feel like my job security is not there. I'll leave you before you can leave me. So when it comes to situations like that, I feel like my job is never going to come at me by my social media for two reasons. One, like Michael said, Zachariah is my government name. Why? Again, it's a part of entertainment. Y'all don't even know what the hell my name is. There's nothing to do. You ain't going to think what you see and what you don't see. So I don't put my, my, mm-hmm. my biological name and my legal name on Facebook. It's a million people. Again, that's the way they know me. Don't even know what my damn name is. People are blank simple. So that's one reason. My job, you can go look for my legal name all you want to. You ain't going to find it. You ain't going to find my profile. It ain't going to come up. So that one way is one way that I protect myself in, in my normal everyday life. The second reason is just because, again, I just take the stance that employment works two ways, and a lot of states have it and some states don't. But a, a lot of places here in, in, this, in this age are at real employment. What people don't understand about that is, I mean, you have that power too. The same power that they have mm-hmm. to terminate mm-hmm. you, you have the same exact power to terminate them. So right. you have to stand your ground when it comes to certain things right. and, and make it be known. The first thing I'll tell anybody that comes to me about correction, about something that I feel like I don't need to answer to, is any job that I have at this point, including the one I have now, is not my first job and it's not my last job. I do not feel like this is my career. I do not feel like this is where I'm going to be forever. So you're not going to talk to me and treat me any kind of way. It just ain't going to happen. So you you got to learn to, to stand your ground in certain situations to where if you feel like you're not wrong, don't let somebody make you feel like you're wrong because that's just going to make the situation worse as if they're just going to do it again and again and again. So, number one, know what you're doing. Know what you're posting. Set up some type of boundary where you separate your entertainment slash social media life in your real life, and then just know your worth and know who you are. So when it comes to a time where you have to stand up or defend yourself, you're able to do it with your head held high. I love that. I love everything you said. You just said. Well, very well put. Anyone else? Social media. I have some questions. I think everybody's okay. kind of feel the same kind of way. <laughs> okay. So, Albion, okay. since, okay. you, since, you since you just said something. Um, I'm sorry, somebody said it feel okay. differently? So I'll chime in a little bit on what, you know, the things that I don't like about social oh, media. Yeah. Um, I don't like the fact that social media has removed shame from our society. I think people let social media into some of their 
some of their darkest traits or qualities. And not necessarily just the darkest, but there isn't any sense of privacy anymore. You know, I could scroll mm. down my timeline and I can see people's naked bodies. You know, mm. I was scrolling the other day and I saw this guy posting, you know, in his car. He was driving somewhere. He had the lube in his lap, the condoms in his lap. Mm-hmm. You know, you see people mm-hmm. wake up and smoke weed. You know, they post the coke that they're doing in the bathroom. You know, there's no shame. And none of these things are new. People have always had sex. People have always done drugs. You know, people have always done all these things that are considered negative. But people used to have more respect for them right. than to fight in their downfalls. You know, we celebrate foolishness now. Social media has made it okay to wake up and get high and post your blunt. You know, and, and when in reality, it's a lot of doctors and lawyers who probably wake up and smoke a blunt, you know? But, but, but it's not on social media. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and, There's and, no and, shame and, in your and and I'm glad you brought it up because the great thing about social media, um, even with that part being negative, um, Chris, is the fact that you can control what you see. Well, so it's it, so it's, it's so it's no reason why you're complaining about. Oh, I'm so tired of every morning she complaining about this, or I'm so tired every time I wake up or go to my timeline. He talking about he ain't been in a relationship and he want to be. I'm so tired of hearing this. And I'm so tired. I don't want to see nothing about no pageants. Yeah, well, unfollow and unfriend. Absolutely. And that, that's the easy thing. Time. Yeah, that's the easy thing. You know, so, you can control what you see. Go ahead. So I have a question. Uh, just piggybacking again off of, like, that statement. Mm-hmm. Is it social media that has, I guess, caused so many people to lose, um, I guess, the vision or, or morals or whatever, or is it the society that we're living in? Is it the TV shows that, I mean, like right, I can right. watch a, a cable TV show now, and they're you know using just profanity, just that when I was a kid was unheard of on TV. Or I can listen mm-hmm. to the radio station, mm-hmm. and songs are just saying words that are like, serious, mm-hmm. you know. So I don't know, me I don't know if that's a social media thing or a culture thing because I think it's, it's, it's a culture thing. thing. I think it's one. Of but the I, I, I think it's culture thing too. I think that right. times have changed and. I say this all the time. My coworkers and I discuss it. Times have changed in good and bad ways. People have always done those things. People have always done those things. People didn't always make them public. Maybe it's because they didn't have the outlet to make it public. That's that's a possibility. But there was a certain level of privacy that people had that they don't have now. Even a few years ago, when Facebook was still for you wouldn't see the, the posts that you see now. I slightly disagree with that, but this is why I'm going to say why. I think that times have changed because it goes back to us wanting to do for our children or wanting to do for the new generation that we did not have. But in giving them that freedom, we have literally changed the dynamic of how things are. So when I say that, the, the, the one thing that I think is great and also detrimental to the overall community as a whole, as a whole world, is that the newer generation is more free and they're more open-minded. That's why we're allowed to do the things we're able to do now. That's why we're able to be more of ourselves and, and, you know, just express yourself freely because the new generation does not care that much as the generation I grew up in and the generation before me. Everything was frowned on. This was bad. That was bad. But at the same token, I feel like with this carefree mind that the new generation has, they don't care about the important things that they should care about. So, it really is to me. I don't really think it is a social media thing because even if the social media didn't exist, I feel like times in public and in real life would still be different because the mindset of people today are just completely different than when 
than when I was younger and before myself. So I think social media brings it to the light and we're able to see it. But I think it goes back to just home training and standards and morals are just different, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. It starts to okay. it starts on, when you think about it, this kind of stuff starts at home. It starts with the way that you were raised. No matter how old I am, how private mm-hmm. or less shame I have, I still remember that I was raised the correct way. If I am smoking a blunt, I'm not telling the world. If I am on my way to a sex session, I'm not telling the world because that's the way that I was raised. The problem is nowadays we got these 15- and 16-year-olds having kids, and they can't raise them. So they're Mm -hmm. not instilling these Mm -hmm. values. They're not teaching them that that kind of stuff is wrong. So they're only going by what? The things that they see on social media, the things that their mama doing. I know a girl that she smoke weed with her daughter, and they both on social media posting pictures of it. Do you think I would sit up with Jean Jones and smoke some weed? She would smack this <laughs> shit out of me. So I no. think that they really, I think that it boils down to, just like Zachariah just said, the home training and the upbringing and knowing what's sacred. But I also agree with Chris. I'm kind of seeing my grandma just died and you posted a picture. She got 10 tubes hanging out her nose. That's private. Okay. That's not for Facebook. <laughs> Right, exactly. You, I just lost my grandma. Y'all pray for me. If you got time to take a picture of your grandma in the bed, we, you need to pray for yourself. We ain't be paying for her. <laughs> she good. Well, look, right. I'm even say, I'm even say this. I'm even say this, Albion, real quick. And I do, I do have a caller that wants to come in and chime in on the social media really quickly. Um, and make sure they still want to. Um, oh, uh, is that when y'all talk about the, t- the tubes, I don't mean to laugh, but the tubes and all that with your grandma, whatever. I don't even want to see a, the picture with you holding her hand that she has passed away. I don't even want to see that. Mm-hmm. Because right. that's, I, I don't either. That's I don't either. Right. I totally no agree. With, I agree with everything that. that y'all said, but I just think that the, I think the root of the problem. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. And, and I, I mean, because the before social paper. media, your mama would say, before social media, your mama say, don't go to that school and embarrass me. Don't go to that store and embarrass me. Don't mm-hmm. go to the mm-hmm. and embarrass mm-hmm. me. So now it's all on social media. So if these and, mamas and, are saying, respect yourself and don't embarrass me, they wouldn't be posting that stuff. But just even like you with, say, they can't tell you how to do it and they don't want to it. Even with kids, you know. Oh. Hold on, y'all. So even with kids, you know, it's it's that, well, he's doing it, why can't I? You know, it's kind of, so when you see some people are just like, oh, well, child, they posting pictures of they in in their little bikini or they they shirt off. Mm -hmm. Well, I got a nice Mm -hmm. body. He he getting all them likes. I want the same likes. And they're influenced by it. Yeah, and they're influenced by it, and people are doing that. But I want to bring the caller on really quickly. Hold on, you guys. Let me bring this caller on. Area code 786. Last floor of 8069. Hold on one second. Hold on. All right, you 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 are on the line with the round table. Go ahead and state your name, where you're calling from, and your question or comment, please. Jamal, calling from Miami. Can y'all hear me? Yes, we can. Yes, we can hear you. Okay. Hey, Jamal. Hey, what's up? <laughs> so I was um, just gonna chime in to y'all when you're when you're talking about respect yourself or. I don't want to mm-hmm. see that. Number one, just unfriend people. Number two, I kind of have a problem with respectability politics that we like to force on others. Judgmental attitudes, like you're judging everyone else because they're not like you. 
everybody wasn't brought up the same. Everybody has a different perspective. Everybody has a different life. So just unfriend them. We are, we're living in a world of, like someone said, open-mindedness, freedom, um, liberation. Let those pe- people live their lives without you imposing your own views. Live your life the respectable way that you feel and let others live it the way that they want to. I don't see what's wrong with that. Social media is a platform for everybody to have an outlet, mm-hmm. and everybody doesn't see it the same way that you do or as the same tool that you do. So let them live their lives the way that they want to. You don't want nobody telling you what to do, so don't tell them what to do. That's it. Now, I agree with Jamal. I agree with Jamal, but I'm going to say this. Live your life the way you want to live it and be naked and do whatever you want to do on your Facebook. But then when you go to uh, Bank of America in the morning and try to get a job and they see what you but already But that's none of your business. That's my business. But that's none of your business. No, and my oh, motto, no, everybody, knows, wait, hold on. everybody knows my motto but, on my social media is mind your business. What I do, if I go to Bank of America and they discriminate whatever because of what they saw or my job or whatever, that's my business. That's my consequences. Was it your consequence? No. I didn't do anything to affect your life, so ignore mine. That's Jamal, fine. Jamal, let me let me just interject really quickly. Do you know how many of our friends and people we know aren't here because the people around them mind their business? You know what I'm saying? No, 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 no. no. We're not talking about. Like, I have a but problem we're not, with we're, that whole live. Let me finish. Let me finish. I have a problem with that whole live free concept. Living free is not posting your drugs all over the internet. Living free is not posting your sex life all over the internet. That's living trashy. And if I'm your friend, I but need they're going to do it regardless. Because it's going to affect your life. It could potentially affect your partnership if you ever. They're going to do it regardless. It affect your career, affect your children if you have them. It's deeper than well, just well, living okay. free. Let, 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 let me ask you, Jamal. What are you exactly trashy? speaking of? And, and Chris, and Chris, because I'm I don't not. Wanna, I don't. Because you're making great points. But Jamal, I want to ask you this: Do you, as a friend? To, to to me, to Chris, to whoever, any friend that you may have, is there some type of responsibility, it could be very minimal, that you have just as a friend to me to make sure that yes. if you say that you love me and you care for me, that if you see me going by the wayside, if you see me doing something that you know is out of character and, and you see me going down the wrong road, isn't, is, isn't it your responsibility as my friend to tell me, Micah, I don't know what's going on, baby. Talk to me. What's going? You know what I'm saying? You, we still have. But a see, you're comparing apples to oranges to now. You're, you're comparing apple to oranges. Okay, you're, you're now speaking of specific. In, hold on, you're specific, uh, speaking of specific instances instead of commenting on the general population. Specific instances is and Micah, I think you're my close friend. And I would call you mm-hmm. and be like, Michael, what the fuck is that you posted? That's a good friend, right. and you would probably take it down. Or something mm-hmm. to, to, like, do you know the consequences? Now, I'm just going to present you with the facts. What you do with your life is what you do because they're all your own consequences. Right. I tell all my friends, well, the reason, don't come to me for advice because I'm going to tell you the truth because y'all all know that. But what I'm not going to well, do is sit I, up and have judgmental attitudes mm-hmm. on the general population about what they right. choose oh, no, to do with their life. And but their social think, media. Well, where, I don't where give a damn. Where, where my comment was coming from was when Chris said something in regards to there are many friends that we have had that we lost because you know nobody didn't say anything or whatever. And then you you commented and basically kind of like, well, no, you know. And so my thing was that's the reason why I came in and said, well, don't we have a moral obligation and responsibility to our friends to speak up, whether whether they're saying something or not. 
on to our friends, don't, don't but I'm talking about the okay, general. We were talking general society things, talking about social media on the whole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because okay, people so go I smoke their weed and snort their coke regardless of what the hell you say to them. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, okay, so if you if you ain't on my if, if I you know I'm like I said I'm going to unfriend you or if you, if I'm if you're all on my social media and you're doing things that that I'm just not really into or whatever yeah I'm unfriend yeah. you I'm unfollow you maybe I don't want to say all that you know what I'm saying that's normal exactly. you know, but now if you're so a friend of mine what, I'm a what, I'm a speaker what I agree with what I agree with on Jamal is saying is that we do have to stop being so judgmental. Especially in the gay community, we quickly say that black people are most judgmental, but gay people are just as judgmental. We've oh, been no, through we so much that we should stop judging so much. So I do agree what Jamal said as far as if you see something you don't mm-hmm. like, you know, let it go. Because what one person thinks trash, another person may think gold. I don't smoke <laughs> weed at all. So personally, do I think it's stupid when I see people posting weed and stuff online? Yes, mm-hmm. I do. But let's be honest, there's a million and one other people that are posting who have absolutely nothing wrong with it. So it's wrong of me to sit back and judge them on that verbally or, or publicly because my opinion is not going to change who they are or how they conduct themselves. Mm-hmm. The opposite end of the spectrum is something that I, I wholeheartedly own myself. When I post the pictures I choose to post, I'm aware that there's a backlash that's going to come from it. So even when we choose to make these options to put ourselves out there, you're putting yourself out there for those opinions. So you're putting yourself out there to be judged, to be talked about, to be seen. Exactly. So when those opinions do come, you can't really be mad at the fact that they came. If somebody come, a bitch come and say, Ken, you always got your ass out. That's why you got your ass exactly. out. I knew that before you came to, to me Exactly. I made the decision to put it out there anyway, and I'm a strong enough individual to deal with the fact that I know what I'm doing and what you have to say does not matter. What I feel like exactly. people overall should do is what Jamal said, and I think we should just internalize our opinions a little bit more when it comes to the general public. Because if I don't know you, what you got to say don't mean shit to me. If it's your friend, I do agree you do have a moral standard to that friend mm-hmm. to say, Hey, friend, you know, I may think this or I may think that, but the realistic part that we need to think about is birds of a feather flock together. Exactly. So those people that are posting all these pictures, of the, do you think they got a whole bunch of friends that are not smoking weed? No, it's, it's not very likely. So when you're saying you're waiting for their friend to say, friend, don't post this weed, where is that friend? It's not always going to be realistic that they do have a friend on the opposite end of the spectrum. So, I mean, when it comes to the general public, though you may feel like your opinion is correct, if your opinion is not coming from a place that I trust you or care about what you're saying, keep that shit to yourself. I don't care. It's called social responsibility. That's what not keeping just... to yourself is. It's called social responsibility. I'm not going to keep every opinion to myself when I feel like it's an opinion that needs to be voiced. You know, I've seen so many people post stuff like, oh, you know, especially transsexual women. Oh, you know, I tricked this guy or I'm going to expose him. You know, and then their friends get on there and they're like, yeah, girl, you know, they're laughing. You know, no one wants to be judgmental. But then fast forward, something something tragic happens and the whole community is an outlaw. You know what I'm saying? We have to stop being afraid to be considered judgmental when we actually need to be more concerned with being helpful and rearing people in the right direction if we can help, you know? Like, but to do that, Chris, to me, is, is to say you're the judge of what's good and what's bad. You're the judge of what should be posted. What's, and none of us can hold that position. You can't tell the next but person. I, no, but that's not right. true. I can say posting your coke online is bad because posting your coke online can lead to arrest. So I can be the judge of certain things. You know, on moral things, I may not can make a comment on, but things that are clear, especially things that are clear in the law, we can't comment on, like prostitution, like drugs, you know. Those kind of things we can't comment on. 
But who so are you to say that that's right or wrong? Too many people talking at one time. Do we feel like um, our parents helping at that point in time? That's that's kind of where I want to go with it. If it's somebody that's posting coke online, just like I said with my pictures, I I, I am a hundred percent sure they knew that it was illegal before they posted it. Now, granted, they did put it on social media, so they should be prepared for the backlash of people that are going to come and say, you know, this is stupid. You shouldn't be posting it. But inevitably, you have to question to yourself: Are you really putting in effort? To to change this situation, the effort that you put behind it, what is going to be the result? Because that person knew that coke was illegal before they posted it. So you coming on there being judgmental or stating your comment about you you shouldn't be posting coke literally changed nothing. They're going to block you or remove you. And if it's general public, again, I, I have to remain to the fact that I don't know you. What you're saying means absolutely nothing to me. So why even go out? And, and place that negativity towards that person because sometimes we don't know the smallest thing, even if it's somebody you don't know, could cause a reaction you're not even prepared for. They could be going through something. When they post that coat, you go on and you say, that's so stupid of you. Next thing you know, they committed suicide. You didn't even know that they were going through something when they did or that. But by, or the other way around. Or the other way around. You right. never say anything about it, and then they overdose. But you so committed that no act way. when you did say something. If you said okay. nothing, you put yourself in that situation, then you can't be responsible for the reaction. When you choose to give your opinion and your judgment, now you have placed yourself in that, in that situation, and you are part of the reaction. That's the two differences. This between. is the problem. This is the problem. We got 5,000 friends on Facebook and really only know four of them. Stop adding people because you think they're cute and all this other kind of stuff. If you only add the people that you know and you relate to and they're your friends for real and your family for real, then you won't have to worry about their posts because you know this person. Thousands, you don't know 5,000 people. So if you chose to push that button to accept or to add whatever they choose to post, you take it. You don't have an opinion on it. You can voice your opinion, but you can't have an opinion opinion on that opinion. You can have an opinion on anything that's public. Anything that's public, you have an opinion on. Okay, but my, but my thing about it is, if you post some boy in California, you never met him a day in your life, you just added him because of whatever the reason is, you thought he was cute, or he know of a friend of a friend of a friend, and he posts a picture of Coke, that really ain't got nothing to do with you, because that's not your friend. Mm-hmm. If we stop adding all these extras, then we will only be concerned about our friends. And the people that we See, relate that's, that's to, the people that we talk that's to, and that's saying the problem is not what you're doing. The problem is that I added you and I didn't know you. That's that's the real right. issue. Why, why did you add them? What's going to add down to the gay community as a whole too? All the people judging us about being gay don't know us. They're simply just casting their opinion because they think that it's okay to cast your opinion. You want to be out in public holding hands with a man, so now I get to cast my opinion. I think it's nasty. I think you're a punk. I think you're gay. That opinion is not going to change me. I'm a complete stranger. So they may feel like, oh, if I don't tell them that they're going to hell for being in love with a man, then it's my wrong. When in actuality, I don't need your fucking opinion. I know what I'm going through. I know what my life is like. So this situation is like a double-edged sword to where you're saying, yes, everybody that has opinion should give their opinion. We go through that every single day in every single life of straight people trying to tell us what we should and should not do because they feel like their opinion is valid. Okay, I want to interject. I want to interject really, really quickly. Sorry, we have 16 minutes left. This is really getting good. Like, I'm really just enjoying sitting here listening to you guys. But we do have a caller that wants to chime in really, really quickly. So caller, Erico 251, last four, 9874. Um, Go ahead and say what you need to say. Be brief, but, you know, make your point. So I'm going to bring you in now. You are on the line with the roundtable. Please state your name, where you're calling from, and your question or your comment, please. Hello, everybody. This is Josh, and you all know me as Jawaka Team of Davenport. Um, 
from Mobile, Alabama. Uh-huh. Can, can you oh, hear me? Okay. So yeah, here's the thing. Uh, I think we're moving from social media to re- social responsibility and social morals. What you put on your social media is what you put on your social media. We've said that. But let's go back to the time that we had MySpace. MySpace was exactly what it was, your space. You cannot come into my space because it is my space. If you don't like what I put on my social media, then delete me. There are, like I said, we don't know 5,000 people. And I delete people every right. single day for the stuff that I do not like to see. But I'm not fixed to end by saying, you need to do this to pacify me. No, I need oh, to yeah. do this to pacify me, and I'm going to delete you. So that's number one. Social media has, the thing Amen. I don't like about social media is social media has caused us to be less social than we have ever been before. Oh, For yeah. example, and, 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 that, and that was, that was going to be on the, on the, on the, look, not the docket, but on, on the, on the sheet, but we can, we're not probably going to get to it. But go ahead, Dr. Watson. Go ahead. Right. So we, we become less social and we have this this fake mm. sense of socialization because we have 5,000 mm. Facebook friends, but you don't know five mm. people that are in your local bar or community. So we have this false sense of socialization, which is exactly that, false. You go into a bar or a pub and what do you see? You see people sitting there on their phones. This also has uh, had an effect on a lot of a lot of businesses and clubs. Because at one point in time, you know, you had to go out to a bar to meet somebody. You had to go out to a bar to get, you know, that that hook them and book them. But now you have these social media apps and things that you can use and do it from the comfort of your own home. So you don't have to go to the fag bar to get to get, a, get a day. <laughs> Look at this from your bedroom. Say, hook them and book them, baby. <laughs> you got to hook them and book them. And the other thing that I do like about social media is social media has afforded me a very comfortable lifestyle without the social media that is now. Now, Michael, you know, you and I have known each other for a long time via Terry Fairfield back in the day before there was Facebook or MySpace or any of that. And that's how you got the pageantry. That, you oh know, God, and at that point in time, you had to travel around. You had to print out your your, uh, your promo pictures and do all of that, and, you know, to network. Uh-huh. Now you you don't have to do that, and it has afforded me a different lifestyle that I had then because now all I can do, I have to do is sit on social media and market myself, and people see it, and they reach out to me. I don't have to travel to That's right. uh, Springfield, Massachusetts to, to do the show so they can see me. They can see me. Where I am right now, and make and, the and that was a okay, question great. That, and that was a question that I was going to um, ask to Alpion, um, as well as just like as a drag performer, how has social media increased? And well, it's both to Chris and to, to Alpion. Chris, number one, because he does makeup, so I wanted to know how his presence on social media has gotten him bookings for like makeup gigs and all of that. At the same point with Alpion, you know, as a drag performer, how has social media increased your bookings or even made you known more so? Well, let, let, let me let me comment on that. Let, let me comment on that, and which was going to be my next sentence. But the bad thing about social media and being a performer, whether you're male or female, is because there are pictures everywhere. Mm-hmm. They are instantly mm-hmm. uploaded at any given time. If I go on a tour of the East Coast and I'm gone for 10 days and, you know, mm-hmm. I only have a certain amount of luggage, so, you know, they're going to be repeat things. But because of social media, Mm. You know, the place I'm going to tomorrow or two days We've later, they have already seen what I'm going to wear, and they're going to say, but hold no, on, she but ain't got no clothes. Hold on. This is what I learned about that. When Beyonce go from city to city, she do the same 17 songs. <laughs> so why can't you go to city to city and do the same 17 songs? <laughs> yes, Alvion, Beyonce. 
you are entertainer, and that's what. So, so you have your good gigs. Let's just say you impersonate Lil Kim, Mariah Carey, and something, something, something. That's what these people want to see when you go to these places because uh-huh. that's what you're known for. So whether you wear the same Lil Kim outfit in Texas, Tennessee, New York, and Virginia, if that's your Lil Kim and it's sickening and you're going to entertain in it, then you're good. Yeah. Now don't now don't take your regular Lil Kim outfit to each one of these things. <laughs> right, you got to take your good Lil Kim outfit. That's when the opinion and the judging gonna come. <laughs> that's when the if she was gonna wear the same thing, she should have wore the beat same thing. Thank you. Exactly. Well, thank you so very much, Joaquinima. We appreciate you. Um, call us back next You're week. You're welcome. We'll be back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Uh, no, that was great. So, yeah, we have uh, eleven minutes left. And I'm going to say we really have about uh, seven because we still have the closing down need to play. Um, but there was something that I definitely want. I I have to play it, you guys. It's two minutes and forty six seconds. But before I play it. Um, I want you guys to get out what you want to get out in regards to social media because there was something in regards to, I'll give you the kind of the preface for it, is that, you know, there's, you know how it used to be where, oh, like when we see trans girls who used to have on social media, oh, that's how she used to look as a man. Now she, you know, you know she, can you believe she was a he? Well, I don't know if you guys have been seeing this whole fad that has been happening with trans men where now people, you know, you still have a lot of the butch queens and, you know, that'll say, oh, I want one. I know you guys have seen these, these folks. Where it's like they'll, they'll post a trans guy and they're like, oh, I want one. You know, and it's like treating them as objects and, and not as people. Um, so I wanted to play something from Nick Coleman who talks about trans men and sexuality, and it's about two and a half minutes. But before I, I play that, I wanted you guys to say, you know, whatever your little, you know, the last little piece that you have in regards to social media really quickly, whoever wants to say something. Okay, I'm going to just say this. I'm going to say this really quickly. I don't want people to get so wrapped up in being judgmental or the judgment uh-huh. part of it. My point is just the just the awareness and the, the responsibility just from friend to friend, just looking out. You, you see something, speak on it. You know, you can't always be quiet about everything. Sometimes people are just waiting for you. If you see something, say something. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Anybody else real quick? Tyree, you've been Yeah, I definitely well, agree. I want to say as social media is concerned, mm-hmm. I encourage people to get to know people. Even if you see them on social media, and you you feel like you know them, actually get to know them. Stop judging people by things that you see and assume, because when you assume, we all know what the rest is. But, yeah, just step out, get to know people, and stop judging them just by the few things that you do see. Amen. I definitely agree. Tyree, what did you want to say? Yeah, uh, I agree. I think that it shouldn't so much be judgmental, uh, especially when you talk about drugs or anything like that. That could be a cry out for help. So if you see something like that and it really does concern you, just reach out to them. You know, some people won't open up to you, um, but some people may. They just may need somebody to vent to or express whatever they're going through. Um, you know, I, I don't know much about the drug culture or whatever like that, but I do know there is a reason for it, whether it's a high or whatever they're looking for. They're looking for something in it. Um, so don't judge them as much as, you know, reach out to them. Is everything okay? You know, whatever. Read between the lines of many of their posts because there's something there that a lot of us miss. And sometimes even before reaching out to them, I mean, I always tell people now, it used to be six degrees of separation. That's not like that anymore, within, especially within our community. There may be one or two degrees of separation. So you may actually make, once you do some little digging around, you may find out that your friends, really good friends, with their friends. You know, so if you don't feel right. comfortable reaching out to them at first, maybe reaching out to that friend who you actually have a rapport with and a friendship with and say, hey, you know, I'm not trying to get no business, but I'm seeing this or whatever. Bring it to your attention or whatever, if you even want to take it that far. But I, I definitely think we should be responsible for our brethren. Um, 
um, you know, our brothers and our sisters. So I want to play this really quickly. Um, Trans men and sexuality, and we will be right back. So just hold for me really quickly. Hey, hey, guys. My name's Nick Devereaux, and I am a black man of trans experience. Today, I want to talk a little bit on the subject of trans men and sexuality. Lately, I've noticed an influx of social media posts as it relates to trans men and sexuality. Most were geared in either a negative or very disrespectful connotation. For example, one of the top most disrespectful phrases we hear is, I want one. Let me repeat that. I want one. Every time I hear that or see that, I always think, one of what? We're not a piece of fruit. And contrary to belief, we're not a piece of meat. Like, seriously, trans men aren't fetishes or some weird science project or experience, nor are we someone you can test out or treat like a toy on the shelf that you pull down to play with when you're ready to play. While trans men are men of trans experience, we're also human first. Secondly, just as anyone else, we have social morals and preferences, and we expect to be treated with the same respect as you expect as a human. Before I go, I would like to leave you with this. Let's take the opportunity, especially in our community, to be more socially and privately sensitive and respectful of one another. And really what I mean by socially and privately sensitive to one's preference, because you can't make that assumption that that one you're talking about is even attracted to you, that that one that you're talking about even sees you in that way. And also take the time to ask respectful questions. Get educated. Educate yourselves in the areas of gender identity and sexual orientation and how they differ. Those are the main things. Those are really important. I repeat, take some time to understand and educate yourselves. Ask respectful questions. But what's the difference between gender identity and sexual orientation? Because for some reason, as I'm reading through these posts and I see things like fetishes and toys and I want one, um, it makes me think that you guys or whoever is posting this type of thing on social media don't really understand the dynamics that gender identity and social and sexual orientation are two different things. So in closing, the two takeaways, trans men are human and we expect the same respect that you expect. Again, trans men are human first. We are human, and we simply expect respect, the same respect that I would imagine that you expect. Now let's open up some dialogue on trans men and sexuality. Thank you so very much, Nick Coleman, and we'll talk about that on next week, but I definitely want to start, the, you know, at least get the conversation started, um, not with us, but, you know, for you guys to kind of sit up, sit and think about it, and then we'll revisit that on next week, and we'll actually pick up um, where we've left off in regards to social media, social responsibility, social consciousness, and, and all those great things. I definitely want to thank um, each and every one of you for, for being a part and listening. Thank you to, to my callers that I called in. Thank you to um, the ones, the 48 that are actually live listening, because um, there's a max of 50 can, that actually can um, listen live. So thank you to the 48 um, and to those that are actually also streaming from your phone um, that are not actually called dialed in, but have actually um, listened to the link, uh, listened through the link. Um, so I'm going to uh, put to put my callers, my guests, my panelists. I'm going to put them on hold really, really quickly, and we're going to do the closing of the show. Again, thank you guys so very much. Please listen to the closing, and we'll see you guys back maybe next week. We'll see what happens. So hold the line for me, guys. Don't hang up.
Well, guys, that's actually it for tonight's show. I want to thank my amazing panel for being a part of tonight's roundtable talk and, more importantly, starting the conversation. Trust me, there's more where that comes from. So stay tuned for the continuation, which will be with an entire different panel. Now, before we end tonight's show, I have to leave you with tonight's quote of the week. Take breaks off social media and your phone every now and again. You don't need to document your whole life, even if you are a vlogger. Learn to live in the moment by consciously being aware of what's around you through your senses. Because trust me, your mind will thank you later. Once again, take breaks off social media and your phone every now and again. You don't need to document your whole life, even if you are a blogger. Learn to live in the moment by consciously being aware of what's around you through your senses. Because trust me, your mind will thank you for it later. Until next time, everyone be blessed. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five but if you want to hone in on those winning moves check out Chumba Casino at ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary VTW void or prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hello it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus